says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to what feels like a long time since happening, but an instant reaction podcast that isn't live from Jack's Bar and Grill. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020, on the tip sheet. Joining me to break down all of the action out of round 21 with the Paramount Aerials going back to back, baby, uh, with uh, an important win over the Manly Seagulls is my good mate, 60s. It, uh, it was rocky at times, big fella. It, it certainly wasn't always pretty, but there was some scintillating football uh, at the start and finish of that game for the Paramount Aerials. Would I be lying if I said it was never in doubt? <laughs> <laughs> now, don't, oh, don't look Luke, at my texting yeah. history to you and, and some of the stuff I was saying after he scored those first two tries and then had that big drop-off. The game was never in doubt, ever. You know, never, no concerns. N- never in doubt. And I, I gave a, a, a collection of uh, F years on uh, my Twitter, four of them, one for each of the pines. One for each of the pines. So, so uh, people that follow the Twitter, they know what to expect from me after a win. So, uh, yeah, very, very good. Really, really enjoyed that performance, especially uh, I am so pleased for Jake Arthur. Mm-hmm. There are people out there, I can't call them. I- I'm not uh, – I'll, I'll be guarded because I'll, I'll – <laughs> let's, just, let's just enjoy it from Jake's point of view. But there are people out there that have been saying ridiculous things, absolutely ridiculous things, like he shouldn't be selected in any grade. We've had them come on and, and some of them trying to flood TCT with, with comments putting him down. Uh, he's, I've said all along, you've said it as well, he's the number three half in the club, which meant that one, when one of the halves goes down, he's the one that comes up. He did exactly he's what he was asked to do yes, tonight. He's, and uh, put on two critical try assists tonight yeah and they, and, they were two the, very good tries this too by the way they weren't cheapies no no and the composure that he showed in setting up the try for his good mate will penasini his rouse hill rhinos mate was like has just wonderful composure in that moment mm-hmm. and again there are people who are critics and say that he's not capable of reading the play or playing what's in front of him like that I don't think I, you know, his in his limited first grade career so far, he's shown those moments where he reads the play, where he's either scored a try himself or set up a try for someone else. Now, you've got two more examples of it in his return to first grade. So he, as he said in his interview straight after the match on Channel Nine, what was his game? What was the the plan that he was following tonight? And he said he was told to make his tackles and have fun. And of course, and, you know, at, uh, at the tender age of 19, there is so much football ahead of him and he is oh. far, far from his physical peak right now. So he's doing good stuff on the field with more to come. So Let the, the, those people who are his critics <clears throat> and really unfair critics, just let that sink in for a moment. He's 19 years of age. He hasn't been given an inside run into being the halfback. He has been the next halfback coming through for a reason. Because he's a damn good player. He's only going to get better. He played representative football at schoolboy level. He was identified um, for 
representative football, not by people within the Parramatta Club, but by people selecting the New South Wales teams. Now, and people will say, oh, every, I football, think, every footballer that plays NRL I think you know, it goes Dave, through. I think it might have been Dave Riccio that was saying, uh, with all the sort of mid-season transfer madness that happens every year now, but uh, apparently Melbourne and a couple other teams were knocking on the door of Parramatta, saying they would loan Jake Arthur out for the rest of the year uh, in their you know, premiership chases, which I think says a lot. So, Well, I understand that he had a couple of clubs interested in him last year. But I think well. Rico was saying so, for, this, for this deadline that they were looking at him for the transfer market for this year. So, yeah, well, we weren't gonna we weren't gonna let that happen because yeah. we are actually in the run for the finals. Exactly. So, imagine imagine letting your standby half go to another club when you're in the race to the finals, and then you know you you get an injury like like we have happened to Mitch Moses. You know, it was never going to happen. It was no. never going to happen. But anyway, All right, let's, let's, let's talk footy. On. Let's move on to the footy, yeah. Yeah, so Parramatta Eels 36 heading out to the Northern Beaches at Four Pines Park to defeat the Manly Warringah Seagulls 20. Are even the Manly Warringah Seagulls these days or is it just the Manly Seagulls? No, they still got Warringah on the badge there, so they, I'll call them the Manly Warringah yeah. Seagulls. And this was, a, this was a game that was a lot closer on the scoreboard than it probably should have been in terms of the tries uh, for each team. 7-3 to three for the Eels, but uh, goal-kicking... Where with Quinton Gufferson missing a few and then Ruben Garrick getting a couple of penalties, keeping them right in it. Uh, for Manly, it was Tolotau Kula starting their scoring in the 20th minute with Jason Saab in the 28th and Christian Tulbloto 44th minute following. Garrick two from three from those conversion attempts, also adding a brace of penalty goals as well to get to Manly's 20 points for the Eels. An early brace for Mike Acevo. He went over untouched twice within the first eight minutes, followed by Tom Opachik. Wunga Blake, who scored one of the, I think, one of the best individual finishes you'll see this year. A hell of a way to put an exclamation point on game 150 for Big Wunga. With Gufferson and, uh, sorry, Gufferson and Dylan Brown showing some afterburners in their individual tries, and Will Penasini also adding that try you mentioned off the boot of Jake Arthur, their 60s. Guffo, four from nine off the tee, not a great night for him, uh, unfortunately, but um, he hit enough of them to get the Eels clear 16 points, which is a sneaky little boost to our four and against. And uh, I, I know the Sharks have a pretty charmed run home, but there's a couple of teams now where if the Eels keep winning by solid margins and there's just a couple of losses here or there for opposition, our four and against, it certainly won't catch the big, you know, the big uh, leaders in that regard in like Melbourne and uh, North Queensland. Uh, sorry, uh, Penrith and North Queensland and, and even Melbourne, I suppose. But we might be able to get um, solely the triple figures. Yeah, and look, I think the the bottom line is is that our fate is in our own hands because if the Eels win every game between now and the end of the year, they finish in the top four. Yep, they, exactly. That, that is the only possible result if you if they win every game. And depending because which game they you have lose, matches against teams on the same points as yeah. Depending as which game you lose, you have a little bit of clemency too in terms of maybe dropping one game with other results going your way. So. Uh, let's dive into the numbers quickly. Uh, in terms of possession, Parramatta Eels slightly ahead, 52 to 48%. Time of possession, likewise, in Parramatta's favour. Uh, about, I want to say, just uh, two minutes and some spare change there. Eels completing very well in this game, 88%, 37 to 42. That is a fantastic metric there. Manly not chump change themselves at 77%, but Parramatta really uh, having ascendancy in that regard. In terms of the attacking metrics, more runs, more run meters, more post-contact meters for the blue and gold. Line breaks, five apiece. Parramatta Eels well above in tackle breaks, 38 to 19. Average set distance, both teams going nearly 50 meters a set. So I'm um, very, very high there on that metric. Uh, but in terms of play the ball speeds, Parramatta 4.09 seconds, very slow. Mainly 3.61, not exactly fast, but also much faster than Parramatta Eels, so no surprises. 
11 offloads for Parramatta to Manly 7. And then we go down to uh, defensive efficiency. Parramatta tackling at 90.21%. That's a good rate there. Manly at 85.4. That's okay, not great. Uh, missed tackles, just 19 for the Eels to Manly's 38. 13 ineffective to Manly's 18. So that's a combined 32 uh, ineffective and missed tackles, which is a very good uh, margin there for the blue and gold. Uh, Parramatta just six errors to Manly's 12. They did concede four penalties to Manly's three, however, but Manly did also give away the two six-again infringements to Parramatta's zero. So discipline, by and large, pretty level there for the two teams. And then one head injury assessment for both teams. I think that was Tolotau Cooler for Manly and Ryan Madison, who had a grade two cat uh, HIA. So we have to definitely monitor that during the week, given Maddo's history of concussions. Yeah, so... Look, the, I think the, the main thing we start off talking about is, the first of all, the fluctuating fortunes through the game. I think if we're going to make <clears throat> any sort of criticism of the Eels from that was that there seemed to be a period of time where we lost our intensity and we weren't uh, having the defensive line movement that we should. Uh, it it was It was almost as if... For a period there, we were in attack, maybe just slightly too composed. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but we didn't really contest the kicks enough. I thought yeah. when we put it in, put the kicks in, I thought that maybe we could have put the kicks in over to Manly's left rather yeah. than. If, if you're going to go to Saab, right. go along the ground, and instead we went in the air and he ate it up. Yeah, well, we're kicking to the the tallest. He must player. be one of the tallest player in the yeah. NRL. Yeah, I think, I think he's got Sean Lane pip for height, so he's definitely got the uh, the uh, aerial hops there to defuse any kick, and we saw that in this game. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we we just gave Saab a bit too much latitude during that period of time. I watched the Eels train for what Manly were going to throw at them. They knew Manly were going to go for shifts. In their own half, I and, watched them drilling for that during look, the during it, training this week. And we've got to be critical in the first half. Our right edge were poorly set up, giving Jason Saab too much sideline to exploit with that early shift. But they did make their adjustments at half time, and Manly had nothing after that. Yeah, yeah, and as I said, it was it was something that they practiced and practiced and practiced through the week. And I know they're not practicing against someone that's got. Jason Saab in you know a training they haven't got a Jason Saab they're they're training against but they were still training their defensive movements that would have been coping with um, what Manly were likely to throw at them and that was basically those shifts inside their own half Manly loved to throw that the the questions from about their own forty meter line they're quite prepared because basically every team operates that compact defensive line, that compressed defence. And so Manly like to get to their edges at a point in the field where teams aren't really expecting to have to cope with um, uh, that sort of shift. And and it's when they're on song, Manly, they're a, a, a tough attack to deal with, especially when they've got a, a fast player like, uh, like Saab. Mm-hmm. However... I don't think we handled him at all well. Even, you know, like, he shouldn't have been able to score that try that he scored. No, yeah, I think Gufferson, I I mean, Wunga obviously wasn't great positioning from him, but I think Gufferson would like his time back too with his tackle attempt. Oh, you know, like, 
Saab isn't known for being robust in contact, and they just it was it was almost comedy capers, wasn't it? The mm. the way they both went over the top of yeah. him, and, and so, I suppose Saab couldn't believe that he was sort a... of thing. That sort of thing can happen in a game of rugby league in a moment in a in a particular tackle. It just looked comical that both of them slid over the top of him and he's sitting on his backside planting the ball down. <laughs> yep. it, it, it probably stunned himself that he wasn't over the sideline. Um, but Yeah, and like there was, there, was a, there was a number of plays you could pick out like that. Obviously, Guffer let the ball bounce in the first half that led to Andrew Davey getting a second kickoff that saw Micah drop the ball and uh, I think it was Dylan Panelis being offside, uh, which allowed Manly to level the scores at eight or There's, you know, bits and pieces here and there. And obviously when, you know, Junes and Reg were off, you see a drop in intensity through the middle, and that's where Manly were able to get a foothold in the game. But, uh, yeah, there, there was some real good stuff out of his game too. Is Do you think – I just want to take you up on that matter with the drop in intensity that happens when Junior and Reg go off. Now, I think it's fair to say that they were – from memory, they were still on the field when we started to lose our way a little bit. And maybe the criticism is that we were finding it a bit more of a challenge to, I don't know if go with Manly is the is the right way, because I don't think Manly really ever got uh, much of an ascendancy over us. It, they certainly had a little bit of momentum just after half time and, and during that period in the first half where they got their two tries. But in reality... They got three tries. Uh, the Eels got seven. Yeah, that's that's quite a comprehensive victory when all is said and done. And I know that people will find, as we have, some things to be critical of. But if you defeat Manly at their home ground, seven tries to three, and you don't have your regular halfback, that's that's a pretty decent win. Something to be. I imagine oh, as they there, would be there, there celebrating. Are, there is some right? legitimate stuff to take out of this game for the team that they're going to like and they're going to want to bottle and harness and bring forwards into that South Sydney game next week at Bank West. Uh, Combank, my pardon. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, you know, chief among them, obviously, we gave Jake a big plug and he was fantastic, but his partner in crime there, Dylan Brown, uh, you know, he's had a couple of probably arguable career games this year against Canberra. He was sensational. This is right up there. Uh, he was just a, a tour of the force down that left edge, working so well with Sean Lane. That's a, a very big positive for the Eels as they gear up for the finals because Lane is starting to... I mean, I know he, he has his you know lapses now and then defensively and, and can drop a ball, but he's starting to round in the sort of form that I think will be putting the best teams in this competition on notice. He is breaking tackles. He's popping that arm free. He's ball playing really well. Um, he's, he's finding a, a big motor in offense. He went for nearly 200 today. Uh, on top of all the line break assists and try assists that he also generated, and that you know that ability of him and Dylan to play late at the line, which allows Dylan to you know if he wants to just pull the trigger and, and you know plant the foot and fend himself or feed lane or also play late out the back to Gufferson, it really causes some havoc for the right edge of our opposition. Well, let's let's talk about that effort that you talk that you mentioned with Short and Lane. 191 run metres, 82 post-contact metres, six tackle breaks. 
two line break assists, three offloads, 24 tackles, just one missed tackle. You know, that is, and of course, a try assist as well. That's an outstanding result from an edge back rower. It really is. And and he's been in the best form of his career in 2022. He's, he's made Parramatta's left side a very dangerous proposition. Mm-hmm. And, and we, saw, because, we saw tonight there was a change in balance. And I don't know if it's because Jake was on the right and not Mitch, but Gufferson was off Sean's hip for a large stretch of that game, and Manly had no answer for it. Yeah, yeah. And the thing with the thing with Sean Lane is that if you do what uh, Dylan was doing, which was looking to feed him some of those short balls, but then you also have that option of just cutting him straight out and going to Sevo. So the defence now is looking for the the short ball to lane and then you know if they if they're looking for that they maybe open up the oppo- the opportunity for the ball to go out to Sebo and he only needs to have a situation created in the in that twenty meter zone where he's put one on one with someone and it's generally try time. Well Micah nearly had a hat trick didn't he because I thought that was a tough call. I mean, maybe it was forward, but that's the sort of line ball call you see let go so often with that short lane offload the Gufferson. Then uh, Guffer turned Micah back inside for what would have been his third try of the night. So, yeah, that left edge is humming along really nicely. That's even, I mean, I say disruption. I was talking to my brother about this, and Tom Opacek is just, uh, you know, so solid, isn't he? Like, he just does such a really good job that you don't really notice a down tick in efficiency down the side that he's playing. So, he's done a real good job partnering up with Micah down that side. And, you know, Gufferson's rounding into some nice form too, playing down that edge. He had a really good cutout pass to set up Micah's first try. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about that left edge, but primarily, and, uh, you know, not, not to do with the service to Lane and Micah and Opacic, but it all starts with Dylan Brown. And he is a, a young man playing with so much confidence. The, you know, he, he sort of, it was shades of uh, the Jersey Flag game or Holden Cup back then that we saw 60s out at ANZ where Greg, then Lisao, now Mazu, uh, actually broke Ryan Pappenhausen's ankles. And it felt like Dylan Brown nearly did that to Ruben Garrick on that try. He um, put him on skates and those ankles snapped. And he, um, you know, that sort of confidence to just put the foot down through the line and, and back himself is what we've come to see from Dylan through the grades. And it's good to see him in first grade now so in his element because, it, you know, Dylan is a, a, a guy that once he's playing at his own sort of beat, he's hard to go with. I had him as uh, as clearly the the player of the match. I know uh, Channel 9 gave their player of the match to Gutho. And, yeah, I, I think... And Gutho had a very decent game. I think it's, um, it is it is a open-shut case for... I mean, in a game where there are some really good players, we mentioned Sean Lane, we mentioned Jake Arthur, we mentioned Gutherson, uh, all the starting middles in Reg Jr. and Madison also very good. Uh, I, I think that Dillman was just head and shoulders dominant. Manly just... Uh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm going to pick him as man of the match because he was my tip going in there yeah, to have yeah. a big game and to be to be best on field. But like you, I thought he was head and shoulders uh, the the best out there. And and just going through that, he's got 165 run meters as a half. 
um, 33 post-contact metres, three tackle breaks, one line break. He's got the try. 40 tackles. He topped the tackle count. Yeah. 40 tackles. The bludger missed two Just tackles. Missed. He missed two tackles. Sack him. Yeah. And, yeah. and by the way, what doesn't show up in the stat sheets, he was the guy to get back to defuse that Saab crossfield kick and force a line dropout that went short. The Parramatta Eels regained. So that doesn't yes. show up in the stat sheets, but that is quintessential Dylan Brown. His engine never turns off for that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I've got him. I've got him as my three in the three, two, one. Let's just jump into that now. Yeah, eh? yeah. shut but the game think, on that. Uh, Dylan Brown three points, easy. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, it, I've got Sean Lane as my two. Uh, I, I can't. I, I, I can't. I want to be the uh, dissenting voice here, just for you know a different opinion. But geez, it's hard to go past Laney. I mean, once again, you, you talk about Manly not having answers for Dylan. He, he, Sean Lane was poking, you know, six tackle busts is a good number for a forward, but that doesn't really tell the story, doesn't it? Because he was splitting defenders and dragging them almost every carry. So, yeah, Sean Lane, I think, is my two as well. And the one, well, I've got one, two, three, uh, no, four, five, six, seven. I've got maybe seven guys I think are worthy of the one point in this game. Well, run through them. Uh, run through them. I'll Clinton, tell you whether I agree or not. Clinton Gufferson, lots of good yes. and a little bad. Mike Acevo, yep. two tries, played really well for the most part. Uh, you know, 12 carries for 138 metres is great efficiency from the back. I thought this was Will Penasini's best game in a long time after those halftime adjustments were made down that right edge. Had some powerful carries. Oh, I agree with you there, yep. Uh, powerful carries, scored the try. Great one-on-one strip against uh, Morgan Harper. Uh, although the poor kid's going to have a nasty... Uh, he's not going to enjoy having a shower. He's got that shallow grass burn on the forehead after that nasty tackle. Um, yep. I think Wanga Blake, once again, first half struggles defensively, but that try. I mean, we, we haven't really given it much airtime, but that was one of the best finishes this year. Game 150, what a way to put an exclamation point on it. Obviously, Jake Arthur, Reg, Junior, Maddo, uh, and even Ice. You know, he had a slow start to this game because so much of our play went down the left, understandably so, given that Dylan and Sean Lane were the hot hands. But he just built his way into this game nicely and finished up with 14 for 136. You know, that's... And 35 tackles. 35 tackles, yep. And a couple of offloads. Sorry, sorry a couple of tackle breaks, uh, you know, and an offload as well. So, you know, even, even in a game where that, you know, really strong combination of Moses wasn't there and, you know, Jake obviously was working in a, in a sort of different structure there playing to... Uh, Wanga Blake and, and Will Panasini, which worked out very well, I still got his, which is really good. And, and you know, quietly off the bench, it wasn't worth a one point, but I thought that this was a good showing from Ryder Niakore. And that's something that I think I he thought, yeah, I thought that that was probably the most focused and <clears throat> I, I'm almost going to use the word intense that I've seen. Um, intense performance that I've yeah. seen from Murata. It, it was it was a I sort of physicality. That's right. It was a sort of physicality that had been his calling card for so long at Parramatta and probably hadn't been there for stretches this year. And I think if he's starting to recapture that, then that does help solve some of the issues we have with the intensity of that bench rotation, perhaps dipping a little bit um, for the Eels. But yeah, yeah. yeah. so I've, I've got all those players as the one point, but I think, I think that, you know, given the context of everything surrounding this game, all the background noise, all the garbage that he's had to deal with, I think that this is Jake Arthur's one point for mine. Yeah, you know what? <clears throat> that's that's probably going to sway me because 
I was looking at uh, Reg as my one point. Yeah, but 18 I think carries, 190 metres, three tackle breaks, like, and a whole stack of tackles too. So, But I think when you put it in context of the role that he had to play, the composure that he showed, the fact that he pulled out two big plays when the team needed it most, it's yeah, it's it, it's hard to not give a point to Jake. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think we'll have a bit of consensus there. There might be some people that disagree, and as I said, I, I my initial thoughts were uh, Reg, but I think yeah, in the context of the game and when his. And also in the context of when Jake's big moments came. Yeah, they weren't that, cheapies. That, where yeah. he pulled the trigger. He yeah. pulled the trigger twice for big for, for big plays. And the other thing that probably and, will be lost because it's not glamorous is his long kicking game was very good tonight. And it wasn't, yeah. you know, we've got, as fans for Parramatta, we are sport by Mitchell Moses, who was legitimately probably the best long kicker or clearing kicker in the game. Um, the ability he gets for hang time to allow the kick chase to not have to gas themselves and still get a good you know, starting field position defensively is very, very much elite. And Jake was, uh, wasn't was you know, quite in that level, but he was very good tonight. And that was important. So just a, an overall question. I almost, I, I'm, I'm loath to say it, but I almost felt like we were, maybe just that little bit too composed in that first half. But then when I look at the composure in the context of the game, I feel that the composure won us that game. The The fact that we didn't, the, you know, there, there wasn't any panic play yeah. at any stage, yeah. even when we were down. Yeah, when Manly got, the, their, got theirs and, you know, it looked like the game was swinging. Um, you know, even if there were issues, you know, trying to get uh, a grip in the middle at times. They didn't panic, and that is important. They, uh, yeah. They, and the thing was, they were awake. Jerry Evans tried to pull out some trick shots. He went for a forty twenty. Quinton Gufferson saw it and was in position. And instead of being a forty twenty, instead Parramatta got a huge flip in positive field position. So all those little things add up in a game like this. And it was just good to see that uh, there wasn't much, too much hero ball. There wasn't too much, you know, silly offloads. There were, you know, stuff offloads that hit the deck and whatnot. Because that's how what happens in football. But they they didn't go. And this is what the big thing that. When we, when we know they're off, they go side to side, right? They don't play through the middle and then sideways. They don't use their crosses. They don't use their crash balls. All those things that you set up the defense with. And tonight, they just went they went back to the well every time. It was to Sean Lane on the crash ball. It was Zai Papali going underneath. It was the forwards backing each other up, playing uh, to, to, you know, face, not face ball, but uh, two across from the ruck. And, you know, all those little things just kept testing Manly. And they kept testing him and, and pressing them and... And while Manly were able to hold on in the first half, that's why the floodgates opened up in the second. Because when we started introducing the variations to the structures, when Jake drifts and drifts out to the, the right and then threads that beautiful Harbour Bridge ball to Wanga Blake, the defense has been held up just enough to give Wanga Blake the time to put make that ridiculous put down. And it's all those little patterns of patterns that enable us to do what we did in those final twenty minutes, mate. In our preview episode of the tip sheet, all I said was. I was impressed with what I saw at training. Yes, on uh, in their main session this week on Wednesday. It's. I'm now going to say that I actually rated that as one of the best training sessions that I'd that I'd seen in a long time from the team. 
And it wasn't that there was anything I'm glad you said it post-game because every time you've told me that pre-game, I feel like we followed up with a flat uh, match performance, but they they really showed it, didn't they? Well, let, let let me clarify that, right? Because we've spoken about this before where there might be a, a session where I might I might describe it as um, spectacular, if not perfect, right? And I hate seeing those yep. now. Yep. Because if, like it, if it all runs chips too well, yeah. if it's too sharp, if there just aren't any errors, you think to yourself, oh, you know, like I just wish that there was – a few mistakes out there because it'll, you know, get their minds focused that, you know, we're, we've got some, we got a bit more to do. This wasn't, you know, we're not quite there. We need to work a bit harder. It wasn't like that. It was just, I don't know. There was an intensity about it. Mm-hmm. That there was, the field they had, they had their game faces on at, at training. It was, um, you know, that it, it just had, it had a feel about it. There were there were some carries that were being made and some tackles that were being made where I was wondering, am I watching a training session? Well, it was just yeah, it was it was one that I'm struggling to think of whether I've seen one that goes close to matching it in terms of just looking like they were, you know, really focused about what they were going to have to do this week. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the one that came close, and you were there for it. The training session before the 2017 finals match yeah, against Melbourne. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you that, remember that was, what they were like. That's right. That was a, that was the yep. one where, you, like you said, game faces were there. They were locked in, and you you knew they were going to war that week. Oh yeah, and we we had uh, Kenny Edwards. Uh, we when we spoke to him after the session uh, because we were. We were going over there to. Um, uh, I think we were recording something. Yes, well, I think we're, we're sitting down with. Uh, goodness, who was it back then in twenty seventeen? Was it Tim Manor? Yeah. Was it one of the assistant coaches? It might have been one of one of the assistant coaches, but we were. Um, anyway, we were we were going over there to to have a bit of a sit down, and it was. Uh, Kenny Edwards walked past, and I won't repeat what he the exact words that he said, but it, we were left in no doubt what their intent was yeah. for the match, and and we saw that out on the training paddock, and that uh, what I saw this week was close to that, and as we know in that Melbourne game, they should have won that game. Yeah, they were robbed. They were oh, dudded. They, they were, were robbed. robbed. Yeah, they were dudded yeah. big time. Uh, so anyway, that's. Um, yeah, it was a very, very good session this week. I, as you as you say, you were glad I didn't give you any details yeah, on it yeah. because you might have been a bit worried. But, but like, I, like you said, there there is a difference between the sessions where all the spectacular stuff happens and they look a million dollars, but it's you know flashy and stuff like this where it, it's the you know they're they're going to war. The game faces are on. They're locked in, and obviously this was falling in the latter and not the former. Because even yeah, it was it, almost like yeah, it's almost like the session was a war of attrition. Yeah, and it seems strange to say that about a trading session, but you know, and no one was getting hurt or anything like that. But you know, by the same token, it was just there was just something out of the ordinary about about what they were doing out there. So um, yeah, I I shouldn't have been surprised that they were able to come up with 
as it turned out tonight, the right plays at the at, at the right time for most of the match. And um, again, it, it's pretty hard to be. You couldn't really be disappointed with that that scoreline whatsoever. So and, um, and seven feels, tries to three. It feels yeah. weird to say this, but it just felt like a smoothly officiated match for the most part. Like I barely noticed the officials outside of you know the stoppages for the bunker and whatnot. So. You know, there were there was I think some interesting moments like the whole uh, uh, contest with Penasini and uh, Morgan Harper on Parramatta's goal line, where you, you could make a very strong case that Harper committed a professional foul uh, before actually trying to box out Will without playing at the ball like that, and then it led to Man- uh, Parramatta getting the ball for Manly knock on. But yeah, it's a sort of standard I like to see the game officiated. It was nice. So yeah, very yeah. Very happy well, look, that was that was an interesting call. Um, uh, also, the the call that uh, robbed Maddo. Yeah, uh, that, that that's that's. I mean, that that's one. And, and Brand, I was watching on Fox, not nine. And Brandy Alexander was pretty much of the opinion that Parramatta were hard done by because it's one of those ones when you introduce super slow cameras, there's going to be a bobble and a lot of that stuff. And you know, there's hundreds of them missed, and this happened to be the one that was caught. So I think by the letter of the law, it was probably a knock on, even if Parramatta, you know, got the advantage from a, a double knock on there. So just hard hard luck there. You know, in another game. Andrew Davies' hand just you know is a you know fraction of millimeters up or left, and it doesn't get knocked on into him. So, well, you know what, the fact that the Eels were able to go on and and have that seven tries to three advantage again uh, after that tough call against them says plenty about their headspace being right and tonight. How so, about how about the modern game theory? Two one on one strips. Will Penasini, Reed Marnie. Short dropout when our Manly had the ascendancy and, and the momentum that we managed to execute successfully and, and flip the script. I like saying that. I'm a big fan of that. Mate, oh, I, I watched um, all those attempts at short uh, dropouts and kickoffs this year, and we just hadn't been able to execute But I, I was never upset for them because I think it is correct game theory. Yeah, I oh, think... yeah, I, no, I don't have a trouble. Like, I'm not the last, even though they weren't being successful, the last thing I was thinking was put them away. Yeah. Because you're going, I, to, you're going to be I defending your goal line anyway. You, you ha- I, I think you need to make everything a contest. Yeah. I, I, think, I, I think the I only thing you could. We don't, that we don't contest the kicks enough, you know, yeah, that we 100%. just. You know, I know it means we're not giving away penalties. Um, but I just think that there's far too too many times where there's no contest on our kicks. Mm. And that was evident tonight too. I think Jake Arthur put up a few nice midfield bombs that probably should have been contested that weren't. But, you know, we're making solid ground here. I think that the goal line stuff in terms of dropouts is important because invariably you're going to be defending your set from multiple tackle your, your goal line from multiple tackles anyway. You might as well create a contest for the ball. And in, in, in the context of this game, it, that was pivotable because pivotable again, pivotable. Uh, with Manly having all the running, like they they had the hot hand, they'd make that line break down our right edge again with Dylan Brown saving the day if that bat back in the in, in the in goals, and then we turn it into a short dropout that we recover. So huge, big fan of that. Really liking this uh, the result from this game. You know, like we said, there is still some blemishes on the performance. You know, we talked about. Some of the individual instances. The other one, I suppose, was uh, no one contesting the kick where Tolotau Kula scored. I think Sean Lane had a shot at that. Gufferson had been caught in the tackle, so there was no fullback. Uh, but, you know, th- those things happen in games. You can't be perfect, even, you know, the Panthers. 
So the fact is, is that there are some really positive signs here. We go back-to-back critically in terms of securing, all but securing our finish in the finals this year. Um, at this point, there is now a four-point buffer to eight uh, with the Rabbitohs may having a chance to uh, uh, push the top eight uh, barrier that much higher this week. So that's really good. We keep our top four chances alive. You know, we've got players rounding into some good form in Gufferson. You know, Reed Money was all right tonight. We've got our forward pack firing. We've got the back line doing really good despite disruption uh, in the form of the Bailey Simonson injury. So, yeah, I mean, there is a lot to be positive about here, 60s. Yeah, and if we can bottle that Dylan Brown try, the it is... I think I think I heard you know, I, I think I heard someone on Fox saying um, it might have been Brandy Alexander that it, it's shades of Freddie Fitler the way he plays because you know when he plants that foot Freddie obviously was incredibly explosive with his uh, in his prime with that footwork before the line Dylan's a little bit different in that he's uh, not as explosive laterally with the step but he is so strong pound for pound um, but I, I think Dylan if I was thinking of a, a, a comp there's a little bit of Cameron Munster there in in how hard he is to tackle through contact and the, the issues he causes for defenders standing through the tackles and, and poking his nose through the line. Yeah, look, absolutely. And uh, that moment, it was rugby league pulchritude. Here we go. He's got his word of the week. We've got to pump, got to pump out. That's right. A, a, bit of the, uh, a bit of the vocab there, mate. Um, rugby league pulchritude. There you go. Pulchritude, so... Punch that one in the Google if you need to find out the definition, or, or you could use inference to to figure out or give give yourself a sort of grounding in what it might mean. Um, but yeah, the the result lists Parramatta into a share of fourth right now, um, with Melbourne also winning this week. Share of fourth, share of third. It's a share of third, isn't it? Sixties. It, it it is. Yeah. Um, so, but fifth on the ladder right now, we do leapfrog the Brisbane Broncos. Go one win clear. One win clear of them. Sorry. Uh, but sharing that third spot with the Storm and the Sharks. Sharks, Sharks have got a game, game in hand. hand. It's a big one, too, because this is the local derby with the St. George Laura Dragons. The Dragons do we, cheer, do we cheer the Dragons? 100%. On 100%. Yeah, Dragons down at 20 points. They're no threat to Parramatta uh, in the context of the big picture. This is a, a game where, historically, even when the Dragons or Sharks have been dog water, they can get up for this one. And the Dragons aren't chump changes here. Ben Hunt, obviously, in good form. Uh, he is playing this week, is he? I say that. Like ben, ben Hunt, you're in good form. Please play. Let me just have a quick look at their team lists. Uh, they're playing on uh, primetime tomorrow. Ben Hunt is playing. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, this is a... If you've got some time tomorrow, this is a game you want to watch, I think. This is the big one for yeah. the matter this week. Uh, and uh, let's, and before we wrap up, mate, a, um, a shout-out to the flag team. They had a big 38-8 yeah. to eight victory. Much needed. This was a big Eagles, one. So much needed. Yeah, this is this is the one we we spoke about in the preview. This is the one if they were going to make the finals, they needed this one because if you lose the Manly here, it creates a two game buffer, and instead they win, they leapfrog Manly or, or leapfrog Manly. They had a much better form against the Manly by nearly a hundred. Uh, but yeah, now all of a sudden, Eels on twenty points. They got the Raiders on twenty two, Sharks on twenty three, Tigers and Dragons and Panthers on twenty four ahead of them. So uh, Manly on twenty, Bulldogs nineteen chasing them. So this is a, a big big win. And really good yeah. to see. So, uh, who are the try scorers in this one? 38-8 for the Parramatta Eels. Kyo Weeks dropped back to this game for Manly. He played in a role, I want to say, last week or a couple yes. weeks ago. Uh, but I, think he, I think he might have played two weeks in a yeah. row. Yeah, but he's um, one of their highly rated rookies. But for the Eels, was a double for Moala Graham Taufer. He started the scoring as well in the 18th minute. Ethan Sanders 
Brock Parker, Peter Tateo, Jacob Davis, and Dontore Louis all scoring. Corey Fenning sold off the kicking tee, five from seven. He missed the first two as well, so he uh, certainly tuned the radar after those first two and drilled the remaining five. So big win for the Eels. And look, we, we keep saying at 60s, this is a team that if they figure it out, they can do a bit of damage in this competition. So just fingers crossed, touch wood, whatever you want to do in terms of all your superstitions. If they can just keep on keeping on, and just plug away these next couple of weeks and get a couple of results to be banked on the record sheet on the right side of the ledger, they'll uh, set themselves up for a bit of a tilt at the finals. Yes, and we've got the New South Wales Cup team in action out at uh, HE Laybutt Reserve at uh, Blacktown Sunday three o'clock. I know there's going to be there's going to be eels locals who I'm sure will get out there and get behind. Uh, para in in that match with the Blacktown Workers Sea Eagles, uh, as I said, three o'clock kick off out at Blacktown. Yes, sir. As always, thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen. Hope you enjoyed what has been our our first at home studio recording in forever sixties. We've been live at Jack's Bar and Grill for what it feels like a month now, uh, so and we're back there next week. We, we are we're back, back there, there next week with the game against South Sydney. Uh, so the no rest for the wicked. Indeed, there. In fact, we're back there next week. If I quickly have a look at the draw, not the ladder, the draw. It is uh, next week against Souths, and then next week, the week after against Canterbury. But we aren't we aren't the post game for the Canterbury game. So, just a quick warning there. Uh, the club has some other festivities organised surrounding uh, their former greats and uh, players and coaches of the club that particular week. So we are not doing the. And they've, they've also got they've linked in the Sound West. That's right, and there's the big Sound West performance too. So some. Uh, uh, good mix-up of stuff there if you want to uh, cop us live. We will be recording post-game at home, though. Uh, but, yeah, so got a big game against the Rabbitohs next week, 60s. This is uh, one that we talked about, those head-to-heads. This is one of them. Um, against the Rabbitohs, against the Broncos, against the Storm, and then obviously the, the dogs are in there as well, and we can't – I'm not taking that for granted. But in terms of the head-to-head top eight matches, some big, big games coming. Absolutely, mate. And – what better way for the run-in for this than uh, to get uh, two big wins in consecutive weeks, the yeah. Panthers, the Seagulls. It's um, yeah, don't, the, the it's, Eels. Don't look now. Don't, run, don't look now. Sport. Exactly. Yeah, the, uh, I think if we continue on the trajectory, I think we're, we're going to be having a few teams looking on their shoulders. You know, Absolutely. Not, because we've shown how high the highs are for this team. And if they find that consistency, there's going to be a couple of teams sweating, I think. Absolutely, mate. So it sounds like a good place to uh, wrap up. Yep, and we'll catch you guys, what, uh, with the midweek catch-up with Spiro, I believe. The news episode. Yep, NRL news. So look forward to that. As always, stay safe. We'll catch you guys later. Enjoy your weekend because, geez, it feels good to have a good Parramatta win. Go you eels.